of you got enough turkey this week? Did you, did you get enough turkey? We, uh, you know, at our house, we, um, we don't waste anything when it comes to food. We, we know how to, you know, we eat that turkey for Thanksgiving, and, and we have turkey sandwiches, and we have turkey stew, and, and we, we just turkey until it's gone. Uh, but, uh, I, it, you know, I, I hope that you're wide awake. I hope you're not having a hangover from, uh, from what's that stuff that's in it that's supposed to make you sleep or something. Uh, I, I really think that's a, somebody came up with that as a real good excuse for why you feel sleepy when you've eaten too much. I mean... I think you'd probably feel the same way if you didn't eat anything but pickles. You know, if you, after a while, you just, you get so much, your body just lays back. But uh, we're, we're glad you survived it. Um, we got our family together. And, um, you know, there's, there's, there's always a family member that'll do something weird. We had some family members from Atlanta. They brought their dog with them. And then their dog bit my son. And um, I think the dog's going to live, but uh, <laughs> but no, we we wound up with you know the the prompt care and all that kind of stuff, getting uh, help for the dog, but uh, or for the I'm sorry for my son that got bit by the dog. I get this right after a while, but we uh, other than that, everything you know, we we had a good day, and I hope you did too. I'm finishing up on a series this morning. You know, we've, we've taken this year to, as a theme of rebuilding the walls. The first quarter of the year, we talked about rebuilding the wall of prayer. The second quarter, we talked about rebuilding the wall of worship. The third quarter, we talked about rebuilding the wall of evangelism. And this last quarter, we've been talking about rebuilding the wall of discipleship. Now, I know the quarter's not over until the end of December. However, if, uh, if you noticed on the announcements a while ago, in the month of December, we're doing a separate series with the Christmas theme. In fact, you're going to love Christmas around here this year. Uh, we're, we're going all out. We're, we're decorating. In fact, all that stuff that's hidden by uh, curtains out there in the atrium are trees that are ready to go up. And, uh, and when you come in here next week, things are going to look a whole lot different. And the whole month of December, we're going to celebrate Christmas. And uh, we're going to talk about uh, the wonder. You know, when Isaiah talked about the coming of the Messiah, he said his name shall be called Wonderful. There's something wonderful about him. And, and when you say wonderful, your, your root word there is wonder. There is a wonder about him. And we're going to visit that all during the month of December. So today I'm completing this series on rebuilding the wall of discipleship. So um, I, I want to complete this series by giving you the law of sowing and reaping and show how it connects to discipleship. It's an important part of it, in fact. So for my text, I'm going to take you all the way back to the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis chapter 8. And verse 22. Now, let me give you the background of this if you're not familiar with it. The earth had just been destroyed by a flood. And the reason for that, the wickedness of man was so great upon the earth in that day until God literally said, um, I, I wish I hadn't made man. 
And he said, I'll just destroy him and we'll, we'll start over. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Aren't you glad that God doesn't overlook anybody who has a heart for him? And so Noah was saved, a righteous man and his family. But after the flood was over and uh, that whole generation of people was destroyed, God put a rainbow in the sky. God said, I'll never do this again. I'll never destroy the earth with water again. And every time you see a rainbow, it reminds you of that covenant that God made with men. But in addition to that covenant, God made a statement, and I love this statement. It's in Genesis 8:22. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night shall not cease. So as long as the earth remains, it's still remaining. We're here as proof positive that the earth is still here. And as long as the earth remains, the law of sowing and reaping will continue. There will be seed time and harvest. God literally made this an everlasting, irrefutable law. And it works not only in the natural, but it works in the spiritual as well. Now, we're very familiar with it in the natural, seed time and harvest. The farmer plants the seed, given time, the harvest comes. But it works in the spiritual realm as well. Now, to set the stage for this law, I need to look at a couple of points that are important in helping us to understand how it relates to discipleship. So the first thing I want to say is, or deal with, is the will of God. You know, probably the question that I'm asked the most, if you would sum them all up, uh, week after week after week from people who come for counseling or whatever is the question of how do I know God's will for my life or what is God's will for my life? That's a question that's on the minds of, I think, every conscientious Christian. They want to know, God, what do you want me to do? What's, what's your will? How can I know your will? I get that a lot. How can I know the will of God? Well, let me tell you, one way that you know the will of God is to read his will. You know, this book's made up of two testaments, an Old Testament and a New Testament. Testament is literally a legal term, and it has to do with a will. It's the last will and testament of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ makes up that new covenant that we call the New Testament. And if you want to know the will of God for your life, one good place to look is in the will. You know, if, if your parents pass away and they leave a will for the family, the way the kids know what they get is to read the will. And that's, the, that's here. Now, I'm, I'm going to give you the, a broad, broad spectrum here of the will of God. But nonetheless, this, this is the beginning, and it, it, I think it reaches out over the top of everything else concerning his will. The will of God, it's for all people. Turn to your neighbor and say, this is for everybody. And, and it's found in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. Now, I know there's some, there's some doctrinal differences on this. There's, there's some people that actually believe and adhere to a doctrine of, um, I call it extreme predestination, where they believe that God, some people are born to go to heaven and some people are born to go to hell. I have a problem with that, and I'll show you why I have a problem with that. I'm going to read it to you. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. 
This is what the Lord says. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us. That word long-suffering means he is extraordinarily patient. I don't know about you, but I'm glad that God is extraordinarily patient, especially with me. Amen? How about you? Anybody glad that God's patient? He is extraordinarily patient. Let me tell you why. Here's the reason. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's the will of God. It is the will of God that every man, woman, boy, and girl that breathes on the face of planet earth would come to repentance and know him as Lord and live for him and with him eternally. That's the will of God. Actually, when you look at predestination, especially in the context of what it says, the Bible says that we are predestined to conform to the image of Jesus. That's after you get saved. When you give your heart to the Lord, when you're born again, God predetermines from that point on. In other words, what God's saying, this is, this is predestined. I've determined this before the foundation of the earth. The minute you become a believer in Jesus Christ and, and, and receive salvation, from that point on, everything that I do in your life, God says, I'm working to conform you to the image of Jesus. I'm working to make you more like the Lord Jesus Christ. That's predestination. I can buy that. I can preach that. I can believe that. Amen. God is working on. That's why, that's why the apostle Paul could make a statement like this. All things work together for good to them that love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. Amen. God is working in us, and he even takes the bad circumstances of our lives and turns them around to help conform us more and more into the image of Jesus Christ. And guess what? Someday we're going to be just like Jesus because we're going to see him as he is. That's what John said in his epistle. Amen. First John 3, he said, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. If you love the Lord, give him praise. Amen. Now, not only does the epistle of, of Peter that describe the will of God that none should be saved, the golden text of the Bible, probably everybody in here could quote it. John 3, 16 says, for God so loved the world, that's everybody, the whole world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. The will of God is that we might be saved. That is the heart of God. That's the will of God. It cost heaven's greatest jewel. God gave his only begotten son. He sacrificed heaven's best so that we could be saved. Second thing I want you to notice here is the call of God. We know the will of God is that all should be saved. And now there is a call of God upon everyone who is saved. We call it the Great Commission. Whether you know it or not, you have been called by God. There is a calling on your life. Some people think only certain people are called in certain areas of ministry. No, 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 no. We are all called. Look what Matthew 28, 18 to 20 says. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. 
Jesus said what I want all of you to do. But by the way, folks, if, if the Lord had just saved us so we could get to heaven, and unfortunately, there's a lot of people that take their salvation like that. They think when they get saved, they just bought some, insu- uh, some fire insurance, and, and, and they, 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 all they need to do now is just sit and soak and sour for the rest of their lives and, and wait for Jesus to come and take us to heaven. That's not the way it is. In fact, if, if, if the only purpose of your salvation was so that you would miss hell and make heaven, then when you got saved, you would have, you would have just been taken to heaven. Boy, I'm sure glad it's not like that. I'd hate to give altar calls whenever Sunday morning when people came and got saved, they immediately died and went to heaven. It would really be hard to get people to respond, you know. But no, there's, there's a purpose. When, when, you, when you give your heart and life to the Lord Jesus, you become a part of the family of God. You become a part of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there is a function for that body upon the earth. And Jesus summed it all up in the Great Commission. We're to, supposed to be out there making disciples of everybody that we can everywhere in the world. Mark 16, 15, and 16, another part of the Great Commission says, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. How many? Every creature. Remember, the will of God is that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so he said to the body of Christ, I I want you to go out there and preach the gospel to every creature, every man, woman, boy, girl on planet earth. I want them to hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but those who do not believe will be condemned. Now, Let's, let's make it even more succinct than this. Jesus said in John chapter 20, verse 21, so Jesus said to them again, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. You hear what Jesus is saying? Jesus said, just as the heavenly Father sent me into the world to share the good news I am now sending you into the world. Turn to your neighbor and say, you got a call on your life. <laughs> now, I want to get you to this thing. of I, I know I'm laying a foundation here to get to this sowing and reaping thing. Third thing I want you to know is that, that we have an opportunity for partnership with God. And, and this is for eternity. God is, has invited us to enter into a partnership with him. The Great Commission is not something to shy away from or be afraid of or feel condemned if you don't. No, no, no. It's an opportunity to step up and work with our Heavenly Father for the goal that he has that will satisfy the desire of his heart. We have an opportunity to join in that. And, and that's why the, the Great Commission, that's why it touches two things. And I read them to you all ago. It deals with evangelism and it deals with discipleship. Both of those, evangelism and discipleship. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Evangelism. Evangelize the world. But don't just evangelize the world. He said, make disciples of all the nations, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. In other words, teach them what I have taught you so they can teach somebody else 
And that's how the gospel has spread to the whole world, by the body of Christ stepping up to the plate. I, I want to show you when, you, when you start reading the book of Acts, which is the history book of the New Testament, first of all, you will see that as they begin to do, in other words, after Jesus ascended, and those who followed him began to do what he had commanded him, them to do. He, they started evangelizing. And the Bible said the Lord added to the church such as should be saved. But they didn't just evangelize. They began to disciple. So a few chapters later, you find the word of God beginning to multiply. Discipleship is the key to the multiplication factor. And I want to show you the difference between addition and multiplication. Okay? Pastor Ray, would you come and help me, please? I'd like for you to stand over here on this side. And I hope I don't put you on the spot too much. Brother Shane, would you, would you help me? Would you, you come up here? He, he doesn't have a, I didn't give him a clue ahead of time here what we're going to do. But I just know he's a good man. He, I believe he'd help me with it without getting too upset here. All right. Both of these men, good, godly men, and, and, and both of them love the Lord. And, and they want to do what the Lord's called them to do. What I'm going to ask Brother Shane to do is demonstrate to you what addition is like. This is the evangelism part. And I'm going to ask Pastor Reagan here to show you what the multiplication or discipleship part uh, does, the results of the two. Now, one's not any better than the other. They're both doing the same thing. But I'm going to show you. Here's, here's what I want you to do. Sure. I want you to go out there in that audience. And I want you to win one person, Lord. In other words, I want you to find somebody and just bring them back up here with you, okay? Right. And I want you to do the same thing. You, know, you guys go, go, go get somebody and bring them up here with you. Hope you don't have too much trouble. In the first service, the guy that tried to bring somebody up, it, the person wouldn't come with it. Boy, Shane's not taking any chances. He goes to his wife. That's, well, that's pretty good when you win your wife to the Lord. Huh? That's good. Now, now you don't see much difference here in evangelism and discipleship at this point. But, but, but here's what's going to happen. Brother Shane, I'm going to ask you to do the same thing. I'm going to ask you to win somebody else to the Lord. Okay, okay I'm going to ask you to go get somebody else. But before you go, Pastor Reagan, I want you to do the same thing. But I want you to disciple this young man here and, and teach him to do what you're doing. And you guys go get. Now, you go. You stay right here. You, go, you guys go, go win somebody to the Lord. All right, yeah, bring, bring them right, right over here with you. Now, now I'm, I'm telling you, these guys are doing exactly the same thing. They've won exactly the same number of people. I want you to do the same. Go get, go get somebody else and disciple these folks and, and, and let's go. Are you beginning to see the, the difference in discipleship and addition? Okay, let's do it again. Let's disciple all those. Okay. Now, folks, look at this. This man has won just as many people to the Lord as this man has won to the Lord. 
The difference is this man has discipled those that he has won to the Lord. Do it one more time. <laughs> I, I, I got, I got, it's, it's kind of an off Sunday. I might have everybody up here in a minute. Here's the difference in evangelism and discipleship. Both of them are evangelized. In fact, all of them are evangelized. But when you disciple, this is what Jesus said. Don't just win somebody, the Lord. Teach them to do what I have done so that they can. That's the reason in the early church when a couple, just two of them went to a city and they said, oh, look out. These that have turned the world upside down have come here. Why'd they say that? Because they knew that they was going to win somebody to the Lord, disciple them. They're going to win somebody else to the Lord, and they're going to disciple them. It's going to start multiplying. This is what happens when there's discipleship. This is why we've got to teach our people to do what Jesus taught us to do. Thank you. Y'all give them a great big hand, all these that helped us this morning. Thank y'all. Thank y'all so much. In discipleship, we have, we have this opportunity to partner with the Lord Jesus in bringing about the goal of winning the loss to him. Now, here's our part. Here's our part in discipleship and, and in this law of sowing and reaping. Really what you're doing there when you're evangelizing, you're sowing the seed. And when you start, when you start discipling, you start seeing the harvest. Psalms 126, 5 and 6 says, They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Now, I'm not, I'm not going to try to paint you a picture that's unrealistic. I'm not trying to tell you that this is always easy. I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to tell you that this isn't without sacrifice. The, David said way back there in the Psalms, there'll be some weeping when, when you start doing the work of the Lord. But, but if, you'll, if you'll just press on through that, just go anyway. Just say, I'm not sitting here doing nothing. I'm going to work for the Lord. There may be some weeping, but remember, tears and weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Amen. And he said, there's a harvest time coming, and that's when you're going to rejoice, and you're going to be excited about that. There's a sacrifice. You, you may have to give beyond what you normally do. You may have to give sacrificially. You may have to give of your time, your effort, and even your finances. And you may have to sacrifice. In fact, Jesus put it this way. He said, if you're coming after me, you might as well get ready. You're going to have to take up your cross and follow me. He didn't make it sound too easy. A cross represents sacrifice, greatest sacrifice that was ever made when Jesus hung on the cross. And he said, you got to identify with that if you're going to follow me. He, did, he didn't try to sugarcoat it or soft soak it or, or, or mislead you and misrepresent you. He said, there, there's some sacrifice to this. But all oh, the glory of the joy that comes in the morning when harvest time comes. By the way, this is not for lazy people. Ephesians 11 and 4 says, He who observes the wind will not sow, and he that regards the clouds will not reap. 
If you don't sow, folks, you're not going to reap. It's just that simple. And, and so, it, listen, I, I, the Scripture says that it is high time for us to awake out of our sleep. It's high time. Our, our redemption's right. If, if you can't look at the news and observe that we don't have much time to do what we're going to do for God. I mean, it, 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 this, thing's, this thing's starting to wind up. You know, you can read all the prophecies of Daniel and Revelation, all the rest of it. You, you can begin to see where we are in history and what we do for the Lord we must do quickly. It's time for the church to awake out of its slumber. It's time for us as the church to say, man, I'm going to partner with God and get about my father's business and I'm going to do some sowing before he comes because I want to I want to reap a harvest for the glory of God. We need to do that. We we need we need to get with it. It's uh, it's time it's time to go. It it's time to make whatever sacrifice we need to make. But here's the wonderful thing about it. That's our part, but let me tell you about God's part. You ready for this? Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Kind of a lengthy portion here, but verses 6 to 11. Look at this. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one of us, let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. But here's the thing. God says, it, it's really up to us. God said, I, I'm not telling you how much. I'm just, I'm just telling you this is the way it is. The law of sowing and reaping is like this. If you sow a little, you reap a little. If you sow a lot, you reap a lot. So it's up to you. He said, as everybody purposes in their own heart, you, you make up your mind. God, God's not forcing you into anything. He lets you make up your mind. But here, here's what he said. He said, first of all, he said, I love a cheerful giver. So y'all smile when you give. Amen. God loves a cheerful giver. Now look at this. This is where it explodes. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. <laughs> Glory to God. Can I back up and read that just a little bit one more time? Have they got it underlined? Yeah, they got it underlined. Look, look at those underlined words there. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always have all sufficiency and all things may have an abundance for every good work. That's for those who partner with God in kingdom service as it is written he has dispersed abroad he's given to the poor his righteousness endures forever now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply there's that multiplication how many like that multiplication stuff you, you, you like that how many of you'd like that some multiplication on your finances could anybody use any of that wouldn't that, wouldn't that be good amen glory to god God's able to do that. He's able to multiply the seeds that you have sown. 
and increase the fruits of your righteousness while you are enriched in everything for all liberality which causes thanksgiving through us to God. Glory to God. God, God, says, God says here what I'll do. He said, you know, God searches the heart anyway. He's looking for motive and intent. And he searches the heart. And God said, if your heart's desire is to give for the glory of God, then I'm willing to partner with you and bless you. Amen. Now, <laughs> this works in every area. Remember, law of sowing and reaping works in the natural, works in the spiritual, works in the physical, works in every realm. Some of you need, some of you need more strength. Your, your health is not what it used to be, and, and you need some he- Some of you just need, plain old, just need some healing in the house today. Now, God said, I'm willing to heal you and give you more strength if you're willing to do more for me. Now, God's not going to heal you just so you can sit around and do nothing. Amen? I mean, what benefit is that to the kingdom of God? But, but, if, but if you need a healing touch today, if you would say, Lord, I, I want to partner with you this morning. I, I just want to link up with you. But for the end time harvest, I know your heart. I want to be a part of that. If I had more strength, I'd do more for you. Just give me some more strength. God's able to do that. Some of you would like to increase your missions giving this coming year. You'd say, Lord, I, I, I thank you for what I was able to do last year, but Lord, I'd, like to, I'd just like to go up on that. I'd like to do more. I'd like to see more people one to the Lord, and I'd like to give more. God would be willing to bless your finances. You know, he talked about, he said, I'll give seed to the sower. I was reading this week about a homeless man who walked by the, one of the stores, you know, where they're ringing the bells, the Salvation Army. And he, and he said to the lady, and this was many years ago when, when this happened. It's, so you, the economy was a whole lot different back then. The Salvation Army had been doing this a long time. And, and he, said, uh, he said to the lady, I'm sorry that I don't have anything to give. He said, I don't even have money for food. And she said, wait a minute. And she reached in the bucket and pulled out a dollar and handed it to him said, Here. You can go buy you something to eat. But before you do, before you do, you take this dollar. And as soon as you, soon as you get a chance to cash this dollar, you give 10 cents to the Lord. That's his tithes. And then you take that 90 cents and buy you a ham. Back in those days, you could buy a good sandwich and a drink uh, for 90 cents. And said, you, you buy you something to eat. And he did. And he got to thinking about it. He said, you know, that, that felt good kind of felt good inside so the next time he got another dollar he did the same thing he said lord i'm giving you your 10 percent first well god started blessing him what for long he got a job and he started just kept tithing and kept tithing and after a while he was able to do above the tithes and he started giving in offerings and he just started long long story short this guy wound up a multi-millionaire just you know why god saw a vessel that he could bless whose heart was to bless and advance the kingdom of god to partner with god about what god cares about and that's the lost men and women boys and girls of this world and god just started heaping on the blessings and pouring on the blessings and and blessing him abundantly and that's what paul's talking about here god will bless you abundantly if you don't have anything to give he can give you seed to the sower Glory to God. Hallelujah. If 
few weeks ago, we gave you the faith promise cards for next year for our missions endeavor. And I've asked you to pray over those, and I hope you're doing that, and talk with your family about it, and see what you can do. And I, I hope so. That what what faith is is stepping out and saying to God, Lord, I'm I'm just going to believe you for more this year for your glory. I'm I'm believing you. That speak to my heart. Tell me what you want me to do, and and I'll step out in faith and believe God for it. And you do what God provides for you to do. They're not pledge cards. We're not asking you to pledge a certain amount of money. No, 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 no. They're faith promises. It's it's where you say, I'm believing that God will help me to do this this year. And as God, he said, I'll provide seed to the sower, doesn't he? I just read it to you a while ago from 2 Corinthians chapter 9. He said, I will provide seed to the sower. He can do that. I believe that God can provide it for me. I had a man last year who said, I believe that God will provide me with enough increase in my business this year that I can plant a church on the mission field every month. And he's done it every month for 12 months. He's planted a church somewhere in the world. We've mainly planted those in the rainforest in Africa. And, and, And God's able to do that. He just trusted God. He stepped out by faith and said, I'm believing God will help me to do it. The law of sowing and reaping works in every area of your life. And what an opportunity that we have to partner. (laughs) That's the greatest partnership there is in all the world, when you partner with God, because he can't fail. Amen? He cannot fail. Praise the Lord. I'm going to ask you to stand with me, if you will. I said a while ago, some of you need healing. Some of you have family problems. Some of you have financial needs. Wonder if you would do what Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And he said, I'll add these other things to you. You know why God makes that promise? Because when you seek first the kingdom of God, you're seeking what the heart of God is after. And when you connect with the heart of God and what God is after, you put yourself in a position where God can open the windows of heaven and pour you out blessings that you're not able to receive. Many years ago, there's a young man and his wife accepted an appointment as missionaries in Africa. They were so excited about it. They were young. They felt like they wanted to be missionaries. And and off to the mission field they went. But they weren't there very long until they had to return because his wife's health couldn't endure the climate in the area where they had been assigned. And so heartbroken, they returned home from the mission field. But they, they were prayerful about it. They said, God, we don't understand this. Our heart is to win the world to Jesus. And, and we physically can't endure the hardship of the mission field. And while they were praying, they were impressed to the Lord that they might not be able to go physically, but they could send by giving. And so this young man and his wife began to pray, and they said, Lord, if you'll prosper us, if you'll bless us, we will bless the mission's endeavor 
of reaching the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That young man's dad was a dentist. He had a good practice going, but he was also a avid churchgoer. And he, he just got this crazy idea that, that he wanted to develop an unfermented wine for communion at his church. And so he, it became a little hobby to him. He started researching and working with different uh, grapes and so forth and trying to produce a, a wine that was unfermented that, that would be good for communion. And so when his son saw what he's doing, he, he got interested in that hobby as well. And, and before long, he turned it into a business. And the business began to prosper because he began to give to missions and send to the world. That young man's name is Welch. Have you ever heard of Welch's grape juice? Anybody heard of that? For generations now, his family has given no telling how much because they give consistently to take the gospel to the world. You know what he did? He just partnered with God. He just partnered with God. He just partnered. Let me, let me tell you, boy, that would solve so many of our problems. If we just, if we just link up with our Heavenly Father and say, God, I, boy, I sure would like to be in a business with you. I'd like for you to be my partner. You know, you're, you're just one good godly idea away from a miracle that could do great things for you and solve all your problems. Did you know that? Amen. The law of sowing and reaping. If you're willing to sow, God is willing to help you. And you say, well, I don't even have anything to sow. He'll give seed to the sower. <laughs> if he could give a homeless man a dollar out of a Salvation Army bucket and turn him into a millionaire, God can meet your need today, whatever it is. Whatever it is, he can meet your need. I want you to bow your heads with me, please, if you will. We're going to pray. I'm going to ask the prayer team to come in case there's anybody that wants special prayer. If you want somebody to pray with you or pray for you, we have some people here that will be willing to do that and ready to join in faith and, and just trust God to meet whatever need you may be uh, dealing with if, you, if you'd like that. Others of you may just want to come. Uh, at, at the first service, they just fill the, the altar area. Just a whole host of people that just said preacher as i as i come towards the end of 2017 and I'm, as i'm now beginning to look over into 2018 i'd just like to ask the lord to impress on my heart what he would like for me to do and i i'd, I'd like to offer myself in partnership with god and and if if god would just give me more strength i'd do more for him next year if God would bless my finances, I'd give more next year. If God would just open a door, make a way, I, I'll walk through it. I'll do whatever he wants me to do. I'd like to be a partner with God. If that's you, I, I want to ask you to come and join me in the altar, and we'll just pray while Brother Steve sings. And whatever your need is, just, just start moving this way, if you will. God bless you. Just, Lord, Lord I, I just want you to search my heart this morning. Just, just speak to me. Holy Spirit, I'm, I'm all ears this morning. I'm, I'm willing to hear. Just 
let me know what you'd like for me to do. Praise God. Praise God. Anywhere, the balcony, to the front, wherever you are, feel free to come. Lord, I'm willing to partner with you. Just speak to my heart. Give me wisdom. Give me direction. Lead me. Guide me. Show me. Father, I pray for these who are responding this morning. Holy Spirit, I pray that you'll just come now and speak to our hearts. Give us wisdom and direction. Help us not to act foolishly. Not act, help us not to act out of just a fleshly impulse. But help us to be sensitive to the Spirit of the Lord, the call of God, the voice of God, the wisdom of God to our heart, to our soul. Meet every need that's here today, I pray. Bless this congregation as they continue to pray. God bless you. Why, just between you and God right now, just, just talk to him as Brother Steve sings.